Well, good morning, Westridge. Last week, Jordan kicked off our brand new series for the summer called Tell Me a Story. He did a fantastic job. If you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that message from last week. Every week in this series, we're going to be taking a look at a different one of the parables that Jesus told in the Gospels. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, if you can grab your Bible, whether it's a paper one or an electronic one, and turn to Luke chapter 18, you can follow along with us as we walk through this parable this morning. Now, a parable, just by way of reminder, is a simple story that Jesus told to illustrate one central truth about our life with God. It's important to understand that point because I've seen individuals, I've seen pastors and teachers go way off on tangents by trying to make every single element of a parable have some significance or meaning. It's important for us to know that it's just one truth that Jesus is trying to get across so that we don't end up with this warped view of who God is and what our life with him is supposed to look like. Now, that's especially true of today's parable, which Luke has titled The Persistent Widow. So let's dive in. Luke writes, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared for people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in my dispute with my enemy. Now that may sound a little weird to us today that a woman who is a widow would have that kind of access to a judge, that anyone would have that kind of access. But judges in Jesus' day didn't sit in courtrooms or in judicial buildings. They typically sat at the gate at the entrance to the city where their court was. And that way they would be in a public place, they would meet people, they would decide cases on the spot. The downside of that very public forum, though, was that the wealthy and the powerful tended to get fair decisions from the judges far more often than the poor. This story reflects a very common scenario in Jesus' day that they would have been aware with. Shady characters would try to trump up debts against widows in order to place a lien against their property. And as a byproduct of them not having any family anymore, anyone to help them produce income by raising crops or livestock, they'd be helpless against these trumped up debts. Her only hope for this widow was this judge to render a verdict in her favor. This widow has no power. She has no social standing. She has no other recourse. And so in desperation and determination, she repeatedly calls out to this judge in a very public protest. And it's like, it's like she's a heckler in a comedy club, she is relentlessly pursuing him day after day after day. Jesus goes on to say, so the, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care for people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her request. I love that phrasing there. She's wearing me out. If you go back and you look at the original Greek phrase, that wearing me out carries the idea of a boxer being pummeled in a match. Her persistence is wearing this judge down punch by punch. 
until he finally becomes her advocate just to shut her up. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. And that's the precise point where people go off the rails on these parables. If we try to find some meaning in every aspect of this parable, we won't get the point that Jesus was making. And remember, parables were typically told to illustrate one central, simple lesson. In this parable, Jesus makes his point by contrasting the character of this judge with the character of God. Jesus says, even he, even this wicked judge rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God, who is loving, God, who is just, God, who is merciful, God, who is filled with grace, will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? It's a very powerful question Jesus asks at the end of the parable. And he says, basically, is there going to be anyone left on earth when I return who believes that God is just and merciful and gracious? How many will I find, Jesus asks, who believe to their core that that God listens to and answers their prayers. Now, the big idea of this story is pretty easy to find. In fact, Luke gives it to us in verse 1. If we look back at verse 1, he writes, Jesus told this story to illustrate the idea that we should always pray and never give up. The lesson's simple. There's two clear directives. First, Jesus says, always pray. That idea of trusting in prayer was in stark contrast to other religious systems of Jesus' day. If you take a look at the Romans, they would pray to their gods in much the same way that we would rub a lucky rabbit's foot. I mean, they did it, but they didn't put a whole lot of stock in it. The Greeks, on the other hand, were skeptical about prayer, so much so that even in their theatrical productions, they wrote in these obscene prayers with the sole idea of, evo of invoking outrageous laughter from the audience. The Greeks mocked people who believed in the power of prayer. And so Jesus' approach to prayer in this story is dramatically different than the cultures, the two dominant cultures in his world. Jesus prayed often. He prayed in public. He prayed in private. He prayed simple, brief prayers with people. And at times, he prayed all night long. By his example, by his teaching, Jesus affirms that we should make communication with God a constant part of our everyday life. Now, please understand, though, this idea of persistent prayer is much different than repetitive prayer. I grew up memorizing and reciting prayers. I don't know if you did that in your faith tradition as you grew up or if you had a faith tradition. I memorized prayers like, now I lay me down to sleep. Remember that one? As an adult, I look back and I go, that's just a really creepy prayer to teach to a child. It's no wonder I didn't sleep well. If I should die before I wake, 
yeah, a lot of, lot of calming in that prayer for me. I also grew up learning the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. And maybe you grew up like that too with some prayers that you either said or sang as a part of your family's faith. And those are helpful tools to teach us that we ought to pray, to teach us even in the beginning how to pray. But the risk is that if we continue to just pray these prayers, they can become simply repetitive. They can become meaningless to us. It can come to a point where the recitation of the prayer is far more important than the content of the prayer or the heart of the one offering it. Jesus spoke out against those kinds of prayers in his teaching that are meaningless repetition. He said even in his day, there were some people who prayed in public who thought they'd be heard by God simply because of the amount of words they said in their prayers. Jesus said God's not moved by all of that. Persistent prayer is something very different for us. Persistent prayers usually happen when we're backed into a corner. We have no other options. Persistent prayer often begins with the authentic cry of our heart that is born out of a desperate need for God. The widow in Luke 18, she had no plan B. She had no other options. The only option left to her was to plead for legal protection from this unjust judge. And I think that when we come to that place in our life where we have no other option, that's when we often take our first steps towards persistent prayer. We come to God and we just admit, I can't do this. I'm up against something I can't handle, I can't solve, I can't fix. God, I need your help in this struggle. And in those moments, we learn the value of talking to a Heavenly Father who loves us about every aspect of our life. We talk to him about the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. We bring it all to him. And so first, Jesus says, we need to pray. We should pray. And then secondly, he says, we should never give up. We should pray believing that God hears us and will answer us. Now, I'll just be really honest here. That's a tough one for a lot of people, and at times it's tough for me to pray and never give up. I think we all have times where doubts creep into our mind. We wonder if prayer is, is anything more than just a glorified way of talking to ourselves. And when I doubt, I'm always encouraged to go back and look at the great spiritual leaders of the past, to look at even more current leaders like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham Every single spiritual leader that I've ever read their life, studied their life, what I've discovered is that every one of them had these points where they struggled with this aspect of praying and always believing, never giving up hope. Those doubts are in the Bible too. If you go back into the Old Testament, the story of Job and all the horrible stuff that happened in his life, Job nearly abandons prayer at one point, and he says to his mortified friends, I don't see why I should pray. I'm not sure that anything will change. The psalmist complains about God's absence and his apparent injustice in life. The psalmist says, I'm worn out calling for God. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. 
Ever felt like that? Ever given up on God answering a prayer? Have you ever felt like your prayers just stop at the ceiling? Wondered if God's even listening? Jesus paints a very clear picture of this woman's persistent requests of the judge. She pummeled him day after day. And that's a great image because I think a lot of persistent prayer involves just the willingness to get in the ring one more time with God and say, God, I need you. God, help me. I've had numerous people over the last 10 years ask me, and I've just had to be honest when I talk about prayer and just say, look, I, I wrestle with the how of prayer. How does my prayer impact God's activity in someone's life or in my life? How does that all work? And I think if we have an honest faith, at some point we'll all wrestle with the efficacy of prayer. Why would God bargain with Abraham about the city of Sodom and whether or not he was going to destroy it? I mean, does that teach us that we can manipulate God into doing whatever we want if we just pray hard enough and long enough? And why when the prophets, the men of God in the Old Testament, prayed desperately to God that Israel would not be sent into captivity for centuries, why did God still send them? Why did God work that way? Why does God answer quickly sometimes and Sometimes it takes forever. Why, in spite of our persistent prayer, does God sometimes just say no? I've wrestled with these questions through most of my life, and I've had a faith in God all of my life. I've wrestled with it until my head hurts. And the truth that it comes down to for me is this. Our faith in God's character and God's goodness is clarified and strengthened through persistent prayer. Even when God doesn't show up or show off in the way we think he should. Even when we don't get the job. Even when our kids don't do the things we believe they should. Even when the cancer is not cured. By pounding on God's door, By praying and refusing to give up, we are making a solid declaration that our faith lies in God's goodness and God's faithfulness and not in whatever scheme we've devised for how God should come into our situation and save us. Jesus' message couldn't be clearer. If you feel God's not answering, keep praying. He will answer. And God will show himself through that answer to be good and faithful and just and trustworthy in whatever answer we receive. And though we may not immediately see it, his love is embedded in his answers to our prayers every single time. So what do we do with this simple parable this morning? How do we change? How do we grow in our relationship with God through it? I want to just invite you to do two things this week. First, take Jesus at his word and pray. Pray always 
he said. Now, maybe prayers just played a limited part in your spiritual journey. What I'm asking you to do is up your game this week. Set aside some time, a few minutes every day to pray. And if that's something you already do, then increase your time this week and see what God does. And if you've never really start, never really prayed much in your relationship with God, a good place to begin is just to sit down and treat it like a conversation with God. If it feels more comfortable to you, you can write it out as a letter to God. Tell him your struggles. Thank him for his blessings in your life. Tell him your fears, your worries, your joys about your family, your friends. Tell him the places you'd love to see him work in their lives and in yours. And be still. Leave some time in there to just be still and listen to what God might say to you. You can pray with confidence. God isn't offended by our biggest dreams or our boldest prayers. And neither is he put off by our simplest needs. Take Jesus at his word and pray this week. Secondly, never give up. Deep, meaningful prayer requires a level of spiritual toughness. It requires us to hold on, to to hang in there until God makes his answer clear. And that persistence in prayer will open our eyes to ultimately be able to see the intersection of God's power in our life at our points of deepest need. And when we begin to see those intersections, we will know, our faith will grow, that God is with us every single step of the journey. Would you pray with me right now? God, it's an amazing relationship that you offer to us to be able to speak personally, honestly, openly to the God of the universe, to bring our requests to you as children you deeply love. And so we thank you for the gift it is to be adopted as your sons and daughters and loved as one of your children. And so, God, I would ask you to stir through your Holy Spirit in us this week a desire to talk to you, a desire to pray to you, a desire to be real and honest with you. And open our eyes, God, to see you at work as you answer our prayers. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen.